Today we're going to start a new series called Ephesus. And uh, the word Ephesus actually means desirable. And we're going to spend the next several weeks going through each chapter of the book of Ephesus, so, or of the book of Ephesians. So if you want to join along with us, you can just begin to read and, uh, and read up. Next week we'll be going over chapter 2. This morning we'll be going over chapter 1. But I want to emphasize, through, as we go through this, this study on the book of Ephesians, I want you to understand how desirable you are to God, how much He truly desires you. You know, they say that the book of Ephesians is one that kind of gives the whole synopsis of the Christian life from, from death until all that we're, what we're able to walk in because of what Christ did on, through his, his death on the cross and through his resurrection. We need to be resurrected to how desirable we are to our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? You know, someone said before, um, uh, you know, to the world, you may just be somebody, but to somebody, you're the world. And I know exactly who that somebody is. That's God the Father. That's Jesus Christ the Son. That's God the Holy Spirit. You are the world to him. So much so that he gave up his life. He died. Took, our, 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 took, took death, hell, and the grave. Took all of our sins upon himself. Rose again. He rose again. Anybody read the account this morning as I was going through and just spending time with the Lord? I was kind of reading through the, you know, uh, the resurrection account and here, you know, all the ladies going to the tomb, and when they got there, every account said the same thing. When they got there, they, they were wondering how they were going to get that stone. How can we get the stone rolled away? And it was already done. God himself took the burden. He, he did every, all the work for us so that we could come to him. Amen? So as we go through this course, you know, today, uh, we'll kind of be going through some I am's uh, as we go through here. You know, I am desirable. That's what Ephesus means. Um, I want to go through the very first chapter, I believe, really talks about how blessed that we are as believers. Or maybe you're in here this morning, you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior yet. I want to show you how blessed you can be because of Him. Amen? Psalms 103, verse number 2 says this. David wrote this saying, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget none. And one translation says, Not one of all of his benefits. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget none, not one of all of his benefits. The Message Bible says, don't forget a single blessing. Don't forget a single blessing that God has done for us. Someone said, I don't know who, the, who quoted this, but they said, what a world this would be if we could forget our troubles as easily as we forget our blessings. What a world this would be if we could forget our troubles as easily as we forget our blessings. Does anybody know who August, Augustine of Hippo is? We got a couple hands. Somebody's like, Hippo, what are you talking about? Augustine of Hippo, he was a, a Roman, Roman African, early Christian theologian and philosopher. And he said this, God is more anxious to bestow his blessings on us than we are to receive them. God is more anxious to bestow his blessings upon us than we are to, to receive them. I believe the ma majority of people, even professing Christians, don't realize the significance of why we celebrate the day widely known as Easter. Most people either look over or they forget the blessings that were made available on this day over 2,000 years ago. 
And God wants to resurrect that today. Not only what's available to you, but what's on the inside of you if you are a believer in Jesus Christ. Amen? So I, I want to start by defining the word, uh, defining the meaning of the word blessed. Now, I know that probably the majority of people in here have used it. You've heard other people used it. And they, you hear somebody say, hey, how you doing? What do people say? I'm blessed. You know, but the majority of time when people use the word blessed, this is what they mean. I'm happy. I'm fortunate because of favorable circumstances. Or I'm satisfied at least for the moment. But the origin of the word blessed means so much more than that. It has a more hallowed meaning to it. And this is what it means. To make holy, to sanctify, to consecrate, to honor as holy, and to consider sacred. Now, I always love things like in the scriptures, like there's a, whenever I was going to school, uh, Bible college, um, they, they taught this principle of, it's called the law of first mention. And what that is means like the first time it's mentioned in scripture, there's a precedence that is set because that's the first time it's mentioned in scripture. So from that moment, that is what you go back to for the precedence of what that word truly means in the Bible. Amen. It can be expounded upon, but that's the, the premise of what it means. Now, in the New Testament, the very first time that Jesus used the word blessed, and you probably know this, this account, uh, it was in Matthew chapter 5, and it's through all the Gospels, and it was, he went up on a hill and he began to teach this followers. Followers came to him, he had everybody sit down, and it's what's widely known as the teaching of the Beatitudes. And several, several chapters, Jesus sat there and taught them. And the Bible says after several chapters at the end, uh, people were just astounded at his teaching because he had taught like nobody had ever taught before. They had never heard teaching like this. You know why they never heard teaching like that? Because there was empowerment involved in it. See, teaching for just teaching's sake is we don't, we don't want just knowledge. God wants to give us empowerment. That's why he sent Jesus to set us free and to empower us to live free and to help set other people free. Amen? So the first time Jesus used the word bless in the New Testament, Matthew chapter 5, I'm going to read down these for you just to kind of set a thing here. But Matthew chapter 5, verse number 1, it'll be up on the screen. It says this, blessed are the poor in spirit. didn't say blessed are the poor. It said, blessed are the poor in spirit. Really what it is is, blessed are the humble in spirit. You're not prideful in yourself. You're humble in your spirit knowing that you need God. That's probably the greatest revelation we could ever have. I need God in my life. I need Jesus. I need the Holy Spirit. Blessed are the poor, the humble in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be filled or comforted. Blessed are the humble, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God or the sons of God. Blessed are those who have been persecuted for the sake of righteousness. Theirs is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you when people insult you and persecute you 
and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Now, here's the precedence here. You know, this blessing, Jesus told his disciples, he said, blessed are you because of or on account of me. You are blessed because of me. He said nine different times in these several scriptures, blessed. Nine different times. You know, I, li I like numbers and stuff in the Bible too. And the number nine in the Bible represents finality. Or even kind of like a, a personal judgment when we will all stand before the Lord. We have to give an account and we'll be rewarded for the things that we've done on this earth, good or bad. It's also used to define, and I love this one. This is the first time I saw this. It's also used, the number nine is also used to define the perfect moment of God. Blessed. The perfect moment of God. The Greek word for blessed means to be characterized by the indwelling quality of God. And it also, the word blessed also means to be fully satisfied. Now I'm trying to set some things up before we get into our main point here means to be fully satisfied. And this satisfaction is not due to circumstances or to the fulfillment of even these beatitudes, but it's, it's the satisfaction of being in Christ. As we go through the book of Ephesians, I want you to pay particular attention and even maybe make notes or even mark in your Bible all the accounts where God says in, in the book of Ephesians what you have who you are, and what he's done for you because of Christ, because we are in Christ, because of Christ, because of who he is, what he's done. It empowers us to live a life. And there are multiple, multiple, multiple times when he talks about this because you're in Christ or because of Christ did this, through whom? Amen? So, the point is that just, you know, getting up to this and getting ready to get into our main talk here. Christ said that you're blessed because of me. Someone can be happy because of favorable circumstances that happen in life. We've all been happy at times, and we've all had that happiness fade away. That's the kind of happiness or the blessedness that the earth can give, amen, to things in the world. We can be happy because of favorable circumstances, but we can only be blessed when we are in Christ. You are blessed on account of, because of me, the Lord said. You know, did anybody, does anybody know who Cecil William Stalton is? Anybody know? I thought maybe Stacy would because he's a photographer. <laughs> he was the exclusive personal photographer for Ken, uh, John F. Kennedy. The only photographer exclusively. I mean, family pictures, whatever's going on, he was the one inside the family circle and traveled with him, taking all the pictures. And, you know, he was the only one had had the rights to all these things. I mean, if Time Magazine wanted to get a picture of, of uh, John F. Kennedy or his family, they called Cecil. And he had such rare, even, even to this day, rare photos that were never seen before, so intimate photos with the family. And he was looking, because of this historic effect, especially after the death of John F. Kennedy, he was looking for a place where he could store and keep these historic photographs to preserve them. And he looked. I mean, he was thinking all over, where could he place them within the earth? Where could they be? Where was the safest place to put these photographs, these negatives that could be used over and over again, preserving history? 
And he finally decided that a bank vault under the ground in uh, New York City was the best place that he could store them. So he did. And he thought that was the places safe on earth. Safest place on earth. No, I didn't. Places safe on earth. I'm just making sure you're listening. <laughs> Hallelujah. Laugh with me. <laughs> Hallelujah. He thought it was the safest place on earth. And it was for quite some time until September 11, 2001, when two planes crashed into the Twin Towers because that bank was at the bottom of one of those Twin Towers. History of JFK, the family, all the intimate times they had together, all the rare photos never seen before will never be seen. They were all destroyed. We can be blessed because of favorable circumstances, but we, or we can be happy, but we can only be blessed because of Christ. The safest place to be in earth is in Christ. It's in who He is. Now I want to begin to go through um, we're not going to take every single scripture, you know, it would just take too long on a Sunday morning to go through. But I want to give you some main scriptures as we look through chapter 1. If you have your Bibles, you can turn there, Ephesians chapter 1. I'm going to read verse number 3, and this is kind of going to be our main scripture for this chapter. And this is what it says. It'll be up on the screen if you don't have your Bible. It says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. Or you could say it this way, because we are united with Christ. What does it mean to be united with Christ? It means that I have believed by faith that he, God, came to earth in the form of a man, perfect man, all man, all God, that he died for my sins, your sins, took the penalty, the judgment against sin upon his own flesh. He died on the cross. He rose again. I know it sounds crazy to the natural mind. Amen. But I believe it. I believe it. And when I believed it, God came to dwell on the inside of me. And if you believe that, the moment you believed he came to live on the inside of you by the power of his Holy Spirit, the Bible says old things passed away. Behold, all things became new. This scripture says, blessed be the God. We're turning blessings back to him. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ because he has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Now, I want to take the word spiritual there, and I, I want to change it because I, I still stay in context here because we think spiritual, we're thinking like, oh, it's only you know, a spiritual blessing. I mean, how, how is it tangible? Spiritual is eternal. The spirit realm is the eternal realm. Okay, here, this is all temporal. This, this flesh will one day be gone. It'll, it'll, it'll disintegrate. Of course, we're going to rise again. Praise the Lord. Remember Dallas home? We will rise. That's long, but I'm going to show my age right now. He has blessed us with every eternal spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Not temporal blessings, eternal blessings in Christ. So the things that we are blessed with because of him, they are eternal. We take them with us from this world to the next when he comes or when we see him. Praise the Lord. All because of what he's done for us 
in Christ. Now, what are the blessings of being in Christ? We talked about in the very beginning, you know, bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget none of all of his benefits. Amen. Or all of his blessings. Verse number four, chapter one says this. Even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ. You'll see this over and over again. Even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. Number one, we're blessed because we are chosen. You can say, I am chosen. I am chosen. What does that mean? I have been handpicked by God. Now, I'm going to share a story, kind of, kind of a funny story. You're going to think I'm weird, or you're going to say, that's me. One of the two. So it's weird. When I go shopping, when I go look for things, I just don't take the first thing off the shelf. I mean, I don't go up like, okay, oh, there it is, and I just grab it and I go. No, I'm, I'm a little different. I look at what I want. That's what I want. And if there's a row of stuff behind there, I look. Well, no, no oh, this is better than that one. Well, yeah. I kind of go through, and I find the best of what's offered, and I take it. Is anybody else like that? Got a couple hands. How many people just think I'm just weird? <laughs> well, this is what God does, but it's not necessarily like taking out of, out of everything he hand shows us that way. He picked you before he even created the world. He picked you before he created the world. It wasn't like out of everybody that's in the earth, he decided to pick you. No, he picked everyone that's in the earth right now. He has chosen. Before the foundations of the world, he chose you. He loved you. He chose you to be in Christ, to be holy and without fault before him. That's blessed. Amen. You are blessed. You have been handpicked by God. Number two, Ephesians 1.5. God decided in advance, see that again, before he made the world, he decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself. How? Through Jesus Christ. We got in Christ, through Christ. We, we were adopted and brought into his family through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do. He, he wanted to do this. Before the foundations of the earth, he wanted to do it. He, he decided this in advance. Another translation said, he predestined, He's, he decided in advance for this to happen, that we would be in his family. It's what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. Second reason why we're blessed is because we're adopted. You can say, I am adopted. I am adopted. I have a place. I have a position. I have a, a forever home and a forever family in God. Amen? You know, Natasha used, uh, several weeks ago, used a, a saying from uh, Mother Teresa, and I'm going to uh, say it again here. And this is a quote from her. She said this, Loneliness and the feeling of being unwanted is the most terrible poverty. But God predestined, He had already decided in advance and hand-chosen everyone before he even created the world for us to be here and for us to be in Christ. He wants everyone to be saved and come to the knowledge of who he is. 
Amen. It's, it only happens through the knowledge of Jesus Christ and what he's done. Now, is everyone being saved? No, it's not because God doesn't want it. It's because he has given us a free will, and some choose not to accept God. They choose not to believe. Amen? But that's why we're here. God wants us to demonstrate his resurrection power, us as Christians, us as believers, to demonstrate who he is. You know, one of the prayers we've been praying on, uh, on Wednesdays uh, when we gather together for corporate prayer is, Lord God, help us to live a life, Lord God, that you want us to live that will cause unbelievers to desire you. We want to be, we want, to, we want people to be, you know, uh, the amplified version, you know, say, it says to be blessed, you know, to be blessed, to be envied, you know, by others. We should be the envy of the world because of what God has done in us. Because we are chosen, because we are adopted. And this adoption has nothing to do with favorable circumstances. No matter what's going on, no matter what the world can, can bring against me, I still know I can look to God and say, I'm accepted in Christ. I belong in your family. I have a family. I have a place to run to. I'm chosen. Ephesians 1.7 says this, In Him, in Christ, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace. Now, I love, someone had once said this. I've heard it from different people. I don't know who coined it. Someone once said that grace means God's riches at Christ's expense. It's his grace. It's a free gift. There's nothing we can do to earn it. We can't earn it. It's just given to us. All we can do when, when someone gives you a gift, all you can do is receive it or reject it. It's, it's given. Here's a gift. We just receive it if we want it or we reject it if we don't want it. But it's a gift offered by God. It says, in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses. Number three, we can say, I am forgiven. Say that with me. I am forgiven. He forgives us. Man, the, you know, the psalmist David, King David, he said this, Blessed is the man whom God does not input sins or iniquity. Meaning, not meaning that God puts sin on us, but he's not gonna, there's no judgment against sin. Blessed is the man who will not be judged because of sin. Amen? And he came because of Christ. In him we have redemption. That's really that purchasing or that, that buying back. We were sold into slavery. We were sold into sin because of Adam's sin in the garden. Every single person who, who was born on the face of the earth since that time is born into sin. There was no other way to come out of that sin. So Christ came in fleshly form, died for us, took the penalty of sin for us, rose up, is now seated at the right hand of the Father, praying that every one of us will choose Him and follow God's plan. It's the only way to get out. It's the only way to get that bondage. It's the only way that was, He was able to buy us back legally in Jesus' name. You can say, I'm forgiven. I'm clean in God's eyes. Now, He says that He forgives our trespasses. You know, there's three trespasses. There's sin, there's iniquities, and there is transgressions. Now, sins is really just, 
It, it, it's our, our sinful nature. Every single one of us who are born, you know, through the sin of Adam, we have a sin nature. We, we're, we, we don't sin because we're sinners, right? Or no, we don't, yeah, we don't sin. We, how's it go? I messed it up. I don't know either. Sorry about that. I messed that up. Trying to go somewhere, take a rabbit trail. Get out of here, rabbit. <laughs> Say it again. We were born into sin. So because, because we are born into sin, that's why we sin. We don't become sinners because we sin. We are born into sin. Thank you, Paul. Praise the Lord. So he said there's three, there's, he forgives our trespasses. There's that sins, that's just kind of being born into sin because of the fallen nature. Then there's iniquities. These are the twisted things that we do. Just we, we just by yielding over to our fallen nature, these twisted things that we do, we add to the sin. Then there's, re, then there's a, a transgressions, which really is rebellion. That means I know exactly what I'm supposed to do, and I am not going to do it. That's rebellion. I know exactly, God, what you want me to do, and I refuse to do it. I will not do it. That's when I enter into rebellion. But the good news is he forgives all of it. No matter, no matter what we've done up to the point that we looked and we turned to God and say, Jesus, I need you. I can't carry the weight of my sin. I can't carry the weight of my iniquities. I can't carry the weight of my rebellion and my transgressions. Save me. And he forgives and covers us by his blood all sins, all transgressions, all iniquities, all our trespasses. I'm forgiven. The Bible gives illustrations of that, talking about how, you know, the Bible says he forgives our sin from us as far as the east is from the west. They, they say that whenever you head north, eventually if you keep going north long enough, you're going to end up going south. But then they say you can go east as long as you want, but you'll never start going west. And you can go west as long as you want, but you'll never go east. God knows what he's talking about. He's saying, I remove your sin from you as far as the east is from the, the west. I will never remember it. It's totally gone. It's always on an escape route away. Amen? Another scripture says that he, he throws our sins in the sea of forgetfulness. I mean, just see God carefree. We, we look at him and think he's holding on to everything and just like pointing fingers at us. But when we come to him, we ask him to forgive us. He takes that sin and just, whew, he's not worried about it anymore. He's just like, let's go, brother. Let's go, sister. Come on. Let's, let's go play a game or something. Right? God's carefree. He loves us. We're blessed because we're chosen. We're blessed because we're adopted. We're blessed because... We're forgiven. Verse number 11. Because we are in Christ, remember you're blessed because of me, we have received an inheritance from God. Because we're in Christ, we have received an inheritance from God. This speaks, I am valuable. I'm valuable. Now, when you do a study on the word inheritance here, in the scripture, usually it's inheritance. You know, obviously you got your whatever parents or somebody uh, you know above you, like they're they're saving up. But if they pass away, an inheritance comes down into the family or however that would be allotted by the person who has has that to pass on. But in this one, the inheritance don't just mean that we receive from God; we also are an inheritance to Him. It's double fold. So it's really we have uh, you know not only. Do we have a treasure in God? 
We are a treasure. We are valuable to God. We don't just have things from him. We are something to him. We're valuable to him. You know, I was just recently reading through a scripture, one of the parables, and, and uh, um, it's the parable of, remember, the, there was a servant, and he went out into the field to work. And remember the story, he goes out to work, and as he's digging, he was digging in this field, and as he was digging, all of a sudden he hit something. And, and he's looking, and it's a treasure. And he was excited, but he covered it back up again because he's just a servant. That's not his. And the Bible says that he, he hid it, back in its place, and he hit it, whatever he had to do, maybe threw some leaves on top of it, right, don't stay away from here, nothing over here, Jimmy, keep going, whatever he did, and, uh, and the Bible says he worked, didn't say how long he worked, but he kept on working and working and working until he saved enough money to buy the field, and then legally he got the treasure. Now, I always thought that it was kind of like us working, you know, but with a, a greater revelation by the Spirit on grace, it's not our work. The field is the earth. The treasure is us, and Christ is the servant. He gave everything to get the treasure. He gave everything to get the treasure. Not only do we have a treasure in Christ, we are a treasure to him. Amen? Are you starting to feel blessed this morning? Hallelujah. So, you know, there's a, with this inheritance, too, I wanted to share this. You know, we know the, the story of the, uh, of the prodigal son, um, and the uh, Bible says, you know, he's around a teenager getting, you know, that adulting and whatever that would be at those, those time. I, I don't really know. But uh, he was adulting, and, and he wanted his inheritance from his father. So one day, he walked up to his father and says, don't you think it's about time you give me my inheritance? And the father, the Bible says, the next day, the father split his inheritance between his two sons. And the very next day, the son that came up and asked took off and left. Now we know what happened. But, you know, in that time and in that culture, to come to your father and say, give me your inheritance that's due to me was very insulting. Because it meant, I wish you were dead. Just give me what you have for me. Christ gave everything for us. And even in that, when the, when the Bible says that the father gave them his inheritance, really what it means is, he gave them his life. Everything he had worked for in life, everything he had, everything he accumulated, all that he had, he gave his life to his two sons. So he gave his life to this son. And the one son went out and squandered that. And we'll come back to that in a minute, but I want to move on to the next point for now. Ephesians chapter 1, verse number 13 and 14. I'm chosen, I'm adopted, I'm forgiven, I'm valuable. Verse number 13 says this, After listening to the message of truth, the gospel of our salvation, having also believed, we have to believe in that gospel. What's the gospel? That Jesus came in, in the form of flesh, that he was perfect, that he died for our sins. He, was the only, he is, has the only name under heaven by which man can be saved. Amen? When we believed in that... You were sealed or stamped in Christ. You were sealed or stamped in Christ with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is given as a pledge of our inheritance. 
One translation says this, He is given to us like an engagement ring is given to a bride at the first installment of what is coming. Amen. Isn't that awesome? Now, I don't, you know, the point here is that we are marked. You can say, I am marked. I'm marked by God. One translation says this, when, we, when you believed in Christ, God identified you as his own by giving you the Holy Spirit. Another translation says, God put his special mark of ownership on you by giving you his Holy Spirit. Now, I'm going on 21 years of marriage, and I don't do this anymore, but when I was a single man, you know, and you're kind of looking, you know, come on, if you're single, anybody? Kind of like looking, hey, who's going to be my bride, right? First thing I would look for is the ring. Is there a ring? You see, like, oh, that's a pretty girl. You walk up, ah, she's marked. She's taken. Darn it. All right, hey, there's, yeah. hey maybe this will work out. Oh, uh, no. She's got someone else's stamp on her. <laughs> right? <laughs> we are marked and stamped by God. He put his identity mark upon us that we are his and I don't know if this excites you but it excites me that as much as joy and the supply of what we can have right now of the Holy Spirit of God living in us sealing us empowering us it is only the first installment of our inheritance I mean, if we would just think about that, meditate on that, what we have right now, all that we can ever experience in Him, as much as that can be, and there is still a lot more that we can experience in Him here on this earth, it is still only a foretaste of our full inheritance. We're marked by God. You can be happy for a moment without Christ, but you can only be blessed in Him. Now, the rest of the chapter of Ephesians is really Paul praying over all the churches. And, you know, I'll be honest with you. I pray this daily over this church. I pray it, uh, you know, over leadership. I pray this over my family, my kids, my wife. I pray this over myself. I pray this over our president. I pray this over the leadership of our city. Because he wants us to know him. He wants us to understand the inheritance and how valuable we are to God. And he wants us to understand the power that's available in us because of his Holy Spirit. I'm going to pray this prayer over you in just a minute. But before we do that, I want to go back to the story of the prodigal son and his brother. Now, we know the prodigal son uh, represent one that went away or maybe one that didn't even know the Lord. And... And he goes out, takes his father's inheritance, and the Bible says he just begins to, to live exuberantly. I mean, he's just blowing. He's, there's no whole bards, man. He's just blowing everything, he's, he, whatever he's doing. And we, knew, we know that there's prostitutes involved, whatever. He, 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 to the place, he, just, he was just living it up for what he thought was life until everything was gone. Everything was gone, and all of a sudden, not only was everything gone, there was a famine in the land. And he had a hard time finding a job. And finally someone, maybe they felt sorry for him, I don't know. They gave him a job feeding slop to pigs. And he's there with the pigs in the slop. And, and one translation says, you know, he says that he was, he was so hungry and so famished that he desired. One translation said that, he, that you know, he, he was partaking of the slop that was given to the pigs. He was so hungry. Talk about being humiliated being brought to a low point in life. 
eating the slop for pigs. And finally it dawned upon him, or someone say, thank the Lord for the Holy Spirit, because he's the one that gives us enlightenment. The Bible says he came to his senses and he thought to himself, what am I doing? The servants in my father's house have more to eat and then some. I'll go to my father and I'll say, Father, I have sinned against you. I was wrong. I humble myself. I'm not even worthy to be called your son. Please make me a servant in your house. And he went. He rehearsed this. He went home. And as soon as the father saw his son, because he was looking, as soon as the father saw the son, he ran after his son and he embraced him. And, and immediately, probably rehearsing on the whole way home, he said, Father, I'm not worthy to be called your son. I, 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 I've, I've totally messed up. I, I don't deserve any of this. Please, just make me a servant. And the father would not even listen to him and said, Please, go get my robe and clothe him. Go get sandals and put it on his feet. Give him the ring of authority of my son. Because he was lost, but now he's found. He said, I'm not worthy. But the father said he was valuable. The father had chosen him. Adopted, he said, no matter where, how far you go in life, wherever yet, you have a family here with me. You're valuable to me. You're marked. You're my son. Now, there's another side to this story because the brother was out in the field and he heard a big party going on because the father's like, he's so excited, he goes, go kill the fatted calf. That means we about to get down, y'all. Okay, just so you know, we've got to keep it, you know, translation different here. We about to get down. And so they went out, and, and, and the brother hears all this commotion out in the field, and he calls one of the servants. He says, what is going on? And he says, your brother has come home, and your father is throwing a party. <laughs> and the brother's like, what? <laughs> what? And he stayed out in the field, and the father called for him, but he did not come. Another insulting thing to the father, especially in that time, in that era, in that culture. When the father calls you, you come. The father went out to the son and said, son, why didn't you come in? He said, father, I have been working for you all my life. And never once did you ever give me a fatted calf to have a party with my friends. But this son of yours who took your inheritance and squandered it and did all that he wanted to do, Lord knows what he did. He comes home and you celebrate. And he says, son, your brother has returned. He was lost, but now he's found. Now, the point of the second son is this, and this would be to those, because remember, we're not to forget any of God's benefits. There's those that just don't know what the benefits are. We went over those today to show you how blessed, why we, why we want to celebrate Easter. We're blessed because of Christ, the blessings that we just talked over. Then there's those who are in the house of God, but they're not functioning in the blessings. The father told the second son, son, didn't you know that everything I have is yours? And you could have done anything that you wanted, but you didn't. God don't want us to walk around feeling like we don't have a purpose. He don't want us walking around feeling like we don't have a family or we don't have a home or we don't have a position or we don't have a place in him. 
He don't want us to walk around thinking that our sins are not forgiven because we are blessed because of Christ. Our sins are forgiven. There is no guilt. There is no shame. There is no condemnation in Jesus Christ. If they come to your brain, it's not from God. It's from the enemy. We're so valuable to God. I want you to close your eyes if you would. Thank you, Father. I want to give you two invitations. One of them is this, just right where you're at. If you don't know Jesus Christ this morning, or at one time you have known him, but you've fallen away, and you weren't sure if you was to die today, if you would go to heaven, or if you would go to hell, and you want to surrender to the Lord, Holy Spirit moving upon you, there's so many ways we could try to describe it. It's just that, that something on the inside saying, I, I know, I, I need to get right. That's, that is the power of the Holy Spirit working upon your heart, asking you to respond to this invitation. If you don't know Jesus Christ, it don't matter how far you feel like you've run away or how far you feel you are from him. It don't matter what kind of sin you committed, transgression, iniquities in your life up to this point. It's the moment that you turn and believe in your heart that Jesus died for those sins, you will be cleansed and set free according to your faith in him. If that's you this morning, you say, Pastor, I do not know Jesus as my Lord and Savior, or I have known him at one time, but I've, I've turned away and I want to come back today. I want to come back. You're saying, I, I'm, I'm not even where I'll just be a servant, but the Lord says, no, I want you to be a son or a daughter. If that's you, would you just raise your hand where you're at? Say, that's me, and I'm going to pray for you right where you're at. Okay? See that hand? I see that hand. You raise your hand. You can put it down. Anybody else? There's another one. Praise the Lord. Anybody else? That's me. Okay, another one. Another one. I want to come home, Jesus. Anybody else? Say, that's me. Include me in that prayer. Okay? Thank you, Jesus. Now I want to pray this together. I want everyone to pray this with me. And the power of this prayer is not in the special words that are chosen. It's in, it's in the power of your heart, faith-filled heart, believing in Jesus Christ. No matter how far you feel away from him, God is so merciful. He feels like he's so far away. But when we choose to come, we turn around. He is right there. The step that we take is the turning around. He's there. It's just the turn. That's all it takes. I want you to pray this. If you believe this in your heart, pray this with me. Father God, I come to you this morning, and I am not worthy to be called your son or daughter. But you love me. You find value in me. You choose me. You've adopted me. I don't have to be alone anymore. I am so valuable. Forgive me of all my sins. Cleanse me with your blood of all my trespasses. Come into my life. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. Be my God. Teach me. Train me. 
Help me to walk in your ways. In Jesus' name, amen.